Hello and welcome to the weekend edition of the Modern Maker podcast. I'm your host today, Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. And our guest for today is actually a friend of mine that I've known since high school, Rodney Bebernis. Hello. So I want to have Rod on because he does a little bit of making and building, but he has sort of an added complication to he has to do a lot of this stuff underwater. So Rod, how did you get started? I know that you did you take some class at a college for underwater welding? Was that the the program that you were in? Um, I originally went to school. Uh, for construction management, and then I took an internship in Newport Beach. Been about six months, and didn't like sitting behind a desk. And <laughs> Hence, so the, it was the management part of construction the, that you didn't like. It was the management, yes. And my brother at the time was already one semester in at Santa Barbara City College Marine Tech Diving Program. So Marine Tech Diving Program yeah. was the thing. It's thirty six units. If you take 18 units a semester, you can do it in two semesters. So what did they teach you in this program? Like, what, what did you act like? I'm sure there are some parts where classroom stuff, but like, what were the physical skills that you learned how to do underwater? Physical skills. Um, first of all, you have to learn how to scuba dive. You had to be certified for that. And then most of the diving that we did was hard hat, uh, surface supplied diving, where you're diving with an umbilical so that's like the old school, like tube to a helmet yeah. that feeds you air. So you don't have air tanks. You're getting air you from the surface. You have limited air because you're running off a compressor and there's volume tanks. And actually, it's a lot safer than scuba diving because when you're on a project, everybody on the boat is making sure that you stay alive. Gotcha. You have like a whole support team. You have a whole team. support team. Um, when you're diving, scuba diving, you're on your own, more or less. Um, so I learned, first of all, to go over that. Um, there's probably two main classes just on the diving, just to get comfortable. Um, there was a lot of rigging, uh, crane operations, topside and underwater. Topside welding, which was a fun course. So you'd weld above water and then take the pieces that you weld and install them below water. Correct. Um, you had to take the whole course on arc welding. All the welding that you do underwater is arc welding. You had to take the whole course on arc welding prior to underwater welding. And then basically you just take pieces down there, tack them together, and you get shocked the whole time. Wait, you get shocked? Yeah. But you're wearing like a wetsuit. You're wearing a wetsuit, rubber made gloves, but you still get pretty shocked. Is it because the moisture sort of goes through the wetsuit? Yeah. And so it's the water is conducting from the outside. So is it like... Is it like taser shock? Is it like it's static little, electricity? Yeah, it's a static electricity shock. So you're getting shocked. Um, what was the longest you've done welding underwater for? Like at one given weld or something? Um, in class, I've done it for probably an hour straight. So you're getting shocked? Yeah. So it's probably like comparable to like the discomfort of getting a tattoo? Correct. Not quite as bad as that. Not that bad. Yeah. So what other things have you used underwater? You've also used an underwater chainsaw. How does um, that work? Currently, I work for the city of Santa Barbara, and we maintain Stern's Wharf. And so we probably replace 50 piles a year. There's 20... And piles is just like one of those big wooden piles columns wooden. that has tar in it. Correct. We lose about 25 to 50 a year, and then if they break and we need to replace them, we have to cut them out first. So what we do, we cut a section about two feet... Um, right under the cap on the top side with a regular chainsaw, mm -hmm. just so there's no um, binding. Right. 
Then we attach a chain and a come along and pull tension from the deck of the wharf up. Oh, so you're actually pulling. We pull the tension. So you up. cut it at the top and then you put tension. So you're pulling it up and then you go underwater and cut the bottom. For two reasons. Also, so the pile doesn't kick out on you after you cut it. <laughs> so this giant telephone pole yeah, size pylon doesn't fall, fall on you. So you go under and you kneel on the ground and we cut about a foot from the mud. Mm-hmm. So if you go under the wharf and dive, there's stubs everywhere. Oh, okay. Um, and the chainsaws we use are all hydraulic. So there's two tubes then coming in from them? Correct. Wow. And we do all that on surface supplied. So it's, it's a chainsaw that completely can work underwater. Correct. Wow. So you're, is that, is it still like moving at the same blade speeds as a normal one? Is it slower, um, but more torque or how's it? Different? It's about the same as a gas powered. Oh, wow. um, however, the, we have a pneumatic one as well in air and it's pretty weak. Yeah. Um, the pneumatic tools underwater are so-so they're, they're a little more convenient because mm-hmm. you don't have to carry a hydraulic power pack around with you. Right. Hoses aren't as heavy. Oh, so is the hydraulic pack with you or is it coming from top from the, we can above? either have it above. We have, I think we have a hundred feet of hydraulic line. So depending on the project, we can lower it onto the boat. Um, it's usually on the boat and then we have about 50 feet of hydraulic hose in the water. So you've done underwater chainsaw and use a hydraulic chainsaw you've done underwater welding which you used arc welding but you, you do that exact same thing you would do on land really it's exactly the same you're just underwater but you have like you even have you, welding masks on you have a weld, so yeah. it's like a it's like a welding visor that goes over a scuba mask uh it goes over the kirby morgan hard hat mm. it's actually you flip it down oh wow it's, yeah it's exactly the same thing so like now you're working for the city, but what did you do before that? You were, you were down in the Gulf, right? Um, I worked for a company called Aqueous out in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and we were um, contracted with Chevron mm-hmm. Environmental Cleanup, and we basically just um, did whatever they needed done, um, moved pipes for them. But was this like oil rig stuff? or? Yeah, it was, um, we were mostly on boats so that we were mobile, mm-hmm. but... But you're we working on like pipelines that were between correct. oil rigs and the shore. Yeah, we would patch pipelines for them. They leak all the time, as you can imagine. So that you just pack weld the patches, or is there like you, sleeves or that you put over it? Or what we would do, we'd go down and cut a section out of mm-hmm. a pipe, and they have these smart flanges mm-hmm. or smart clamps, and you go down and you fit it on there, and it's mostly the bolts mm-hmm. actually tighten the clamp around it. So. So you can only be underwater for so long, right? Like, Correct. What would be like the longest you do a dive for? Most of the gulf diving was pretty shallow. It was about 40 feet. I've done about two and a half hours. Okay. So you kind of have to have all your like shit together up top, plan it all yes. out, have everything ready, and then get it all done in as efficiently as possible. Everything with diving is up top. Yeah. You prep. We would have a 12-hour day uh, minimum. And we'd probably dive for three hours. Oh, wow. With a guy in the water. So it's just like all preparation. It's all prep, um, maintaining the equipment, just making sure, because every minute counts. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you do deep diving, it's even more important because you have to go into a hyperbaric chamber after and decompress. Have you done that? Like been in the chamber? Yeah, that's another skill. Were your eyes exploding or? No, no. um, That's just a precautionary. Mm. That's another skill that we learned at Marine Tech. We did a hyperbaric chambers class, mm-hmm. 
And um, some of us got our EMTs, which I did. And then you can get what's called a DMT, which is a diving medical technician. Mm -hmm. And so that you can run hyperbaric chambers offshore. They're basically just big propane tanks right. with valves. And, and that's to keep people from getting the bends, basically. Correct, right? the bends, yeah. You can either do Have one, you ever even had like a little bit of the symptoms of that? I've never seen. We are so safe now. Right. Um, especially with the ocean. We were working for Chevron. Yeah. So um, it's... Almost, and this is all after the, the BP oil spill? No, this was all before. Oh, really? So that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, the reason I no, left the Gulf was because of the BP. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it, it took away the worker. It took away our work for easily eight months. Right, because they put straight. a hold on all new things because no one wanted yeah, to do they just, anything. They put a hold on everything so that there was just no work and we couldn't get the permits to do any work. So did you basically. go to uh, Australia after that? Yeah, I went to Australia and then came back and got hired with the city, which is a very rare um I didn't even get hired uh, as a diver. I got hired as a construction worker. Mm. And, and then they're then, like, oh, you can dive And then too. they saw my resume and they're like, well, we'll give you a shot. And, and um, one of the supervisors on the dive team. So what's the, I mean, like, why would somebody focus on this kind of underwater thing? Is it, does it pay better than, than typical sort of construction stuff? Like for like the, when you're doing stuff for Chevron and stuff like that? Um, yeah, it pays really well. Um, what are we talking here? I made about eleven thousand a month. That's not bad. When I was offshore. Yeah. For a, I mean, you're not going to make that as an entry level construction right. worker nope. anywhere. However, the lifestyle is really rough. Right. Because um, having a relationship. Yeah, you're kind of put that out the window. And are are you? Do you have to like stay at these like stations or camps or? Yeah, you live or on just in like you live on boats. Yeah, you live on the, what they call these lift boats. Basically, they're mobile platforms. They get to a place. They have big pylons on them mm -hmm. and they get to a place where they need to be and then they jack themselves up out of the water but is it like a lifestyle where you could like work every other month and then make like sixty thousand a year and take every other month off or do you have to go on like sort of long trips or um, theoretically you could do that but not practically it's almost the same as um wildland fire season mm. it's very seasonal work also so the hot seasons from about march to november Gotcha. So a lot of guys that I work with would work seven, eight months seven, out of the year. Seven, eight months out of the year make easily over six figures, some of them, and then just travel or do whatever. But is that pretty much like 24 hours a day you're not doing cool shit? Um, I mean, there were breaks. Yeah. Um, like but, weekends yeah. and stuff every once in a while? Weekends and... Um, but like five days a week, you're kind of on a boat. Seven days a week. Seven days a I week did, you're on a boat? I did 45 days straight one time. On a boat? Mm -hmm. And they paid you like... 11,000 or like 15,000 for those 45 days, basically. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you're not spending any money. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're saving it all. You're not paying yeah, rent. You're not paying rent. Everything's provided for you as far as food. If you live in Louisiana, rent is... Like $5 a month. I would make my rent in one day offshore. Oh, wow. So, so it's like a great way if you kind of like are young, want to save a bunch of money. Like let's say you want to like buy a house or start a business. You could go do that for like a 7 six month stretch, stockpile a bunch of cash and yeah. then make your next move. So that's what most of um, the guys that stuck with it did. They would work a season or two and save up a bunch of money. I mean, I was working with guys that had a hundred K saved in the bank mm -hmm. and then bought a house wherever they needed to or wherever they wanted to live. Mm -hmm. um, How was it working in Australia? Was that 
Was that different? Do they still have the same OSHA kind of standards, or is it like a little more cowboy? Australia is a little more lackadaisical. I showed up my first day on the job site, and I had just got done offshore working twelve-hour days. And about two hours in, the guy's like, "Hey, you need to slow down. We work a little bit." Oh, you're overdoing yeah. it. Yeah, he's like, "We we don't go that hard here." And then every Friday at lunch, they bring a twenty-four pack. And it's gone by about one o'clock, <laughs> but then you still work. Yeah, but was the pay similar to what it was in the Gulf, or because it was it paid by U.S. companies, or is it Australian um, companies? The pay is probably better over there. Really? Yeah, if you can get the permits and. So this is kind of like a good job for maybe like right out of if if you don't go to college, like right out of high school to like early thirties at the most. You see what you're thinking? It's a great um, vocational school. Actually, Santa Barbara City College is the best in the world. And that's where you went. That's where I went. It's also the cheapest in the world. Because if you go, there's a lot of... If other, you're in-state. If you're in-state, yeah. So what What did your education cost you? 2000 bucks. So your whole education cost you about 2000 bucks to get prepared for a job where you could make 11000 a month. Correct. Yeah, I mean, there's some, like, I had to buy scuba gear and stuff like it's that. It's funny. It's like, I feel like this could be like an episode of Dirty Jobs. <laughs> you know, that yeah, Mike I, Rose show. I don't it's like, know if it's like, done one. It's one of those kind of obscure things, but it's a little bit, I mean, it's dangerous though too, right? Very dangerous. So do you think you're getting paid more than normal construction for the danger or for the specialty skill or some combination it's of both? probably a combination of both. Yeah. And when, you know, when stuff happens for Chevron or all these big oil companies underwater, they need, they need it dealt with. Right. ASAP and we're the only guys that can do it. So. Have you ever seen a big shark? I we had a twelve foot, fourteen foot tiger shark circling around one of our divers one time. We didn't tell him. <laughs> How did you know? Wait, you could see it. Was there cameras and stuff? No, when you're on the boat, when you're um, so a lot of diving is actually just tending, which mm. is being the support. So you probably have five or six guys topside. One guy sort of doing the work, the other guy sort of doing scouting the work and observing. And you you work in a rotation. What are your safety protocols when you see a big shark? Um, Punch it in the face. <laughs> We've never had to even talk about that. Can you just like weld it and shock it? Yeah, I was never worried about sharks um, in the Gulf because the boat makes so much noise mm. and there's usually you have some crazy tool in your hand. Chainsaw. Chainsaw. You think you could take a shark with a hydraulic chainsaw? Um, it would do some damage. Yeah. I think yeah. It, it, the vibrations would just freak it out and stuff. Yeah, like I'm not worried about that, but we had two shark attacks about two weeks ago in the same day. Off Stern's Wharf. Really? But, yeah. but that was more like was civilians, kayakers, right? Yeah. Kayakers. But still. Great whites or? Two great whites, yeah. Jesus. And we're usually on scuba when we work um, for Stern's Wharf or when I work for the city. And so that's a little. Well, dicey. You're kind of just cruising around. You kind of look like a seal. That's not good. No. So, but, you know, that's one of the things. It's one of the dangers, I guess. Hmm. Something you tell tell, uh, tell the girls you're meeting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how's it like working for like a city versus – it's probably a little bit slower than working city, for like, you know, industrial kind of operations. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little different. When we were offshore working for Chevron, it was production. Let's get this done as fast as we can because obviously the company is going to make – right more money if you get it done faster. Whereas the city is just kind of, if we get it done, we get it done. Mm -hmm. If not, 
Eh, we'll do it tomorrow. What would be the most likely thing that would kill somebody that's doing this sort of like marine tech kind of underwater construction stuff? Would it be like something going wrong with the diving stuff or actually like something um, else? I had a buddy of mine actually get killed while I was working there, but he was working for a podunk company, they call them, mm-hmm. um, in the off season, like a couple man operation. And they basically, one of the compressors went down and it started sending smoke down to him. So he basically died of smoke. Smoke on the inhalation, yeah. So that can happen. Um, so it's, it's something wrong with like the airlines. Is, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> Somebody's at the top side eating Skittles and drops that's them probably, into the compressor. That's probably what happened. And um, that can happen. Um, getting crushed, I could see that happening really easily. And now it kind of happened kind of slow because things move slow yeah, underwater. If you got yourself in between, you know, two pieces of metal. How, how do you communicate to? Is there radio? Oh, we have full radio. Full. Comms. So you can talk. We have full video as well. So you don't have. It's not like scuba because with these helmets, it's not like scuba diving where you have the breather in your mouth. Yeah. So you have like a whole helmet full over your helmet, head. Um, so you can talk. Your head's completely dry. Um, you can talk. Yeah, you have full communications with uh, top side. With supervisor, uh, my first one of my first dives, I was down about seventy feet, and I was cutting some line, and we had video also. On what do you mean dive. cutting line? What, like just what kind of line? Cutting with a knife, just cutting a piece of half inch poly. A uh, rope. Half inch rope, yeah. Line so, sounds much more technical. Okay. Yeah, so I was cutting some line, and I was cutting towards myself, and my supervisor's like, "Hey, cut away from yourself." Ah. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, you know, do they have like any sort of like cameras or anything like that, so like the people outside can see what you're seeing or stuff yeah, like so that. Yeah, so that's he could see that okay. I was cutting using my cutting knife. your face. I was about to cut towards myself. Yeah. Um, so like underwater safety things are not that dissimilar from above water. Yeah, it's pretty much everything you do topside you can do underwater. Right. And once you get comfortable with the diving aspect of it. You really don't even think about it. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's been a few times where I've used an angle grinder and actually cut through <laughs> the uh, extension cord yeah. that I was doing. Like, I guess without a water diving, that'd be a little worse if you're... You know, if you cut your umbilical? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's um, that's the biggest thing when you're using a chainsaw or um, any kind of cutting tool is making sure that your umbilical is away from you. Or the hydraulic lines away from you. Um, but we do have backups. We always have a, it's called a bailout bottle. Mm-hmm. It's a scuba bottle, basically, on your oh, back. Oh, so it's, it's like the thing, so, so you just can say, hold it to your mouth? or No, no, so let's just, say you cut your umbilical completely in half and you get no air yeah. from the top. You turn on, there's another valve. Mm. It's like a backup parachute. It's a backup parachute. And you have, it's a full scuba tank, so you probably have 45 minutes of air. But, oh, another way you could, divers could kill, they just get there umbilical caught in something yeah, and get stuck down there. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Well, that's dark. <laughs> yeah. But it's pretty rare. I mean, you only know one person. I've only died. known one person. I've only heard of a couple in the years I've been diving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, the visibility must be like kind of an issue though too, though, right? Like it's just hard to see stuff. Oh, so my first dive mm-hmm. was in the Mississippi river. And they were like, hey, do you, you ever blackwater dove? I was like, uh, sure. And It just means know, no visibility? I went down and I went about 40 feet down and I put my watch illuminator up to my mask and I couldn't see it. 
it was completely pitch black. So what were you supposed to so, be doing down there? I was just inspecting a tanker hit a pile, like a metal pile, and I was just inspecting it. How how can you expect it inspect just it though? Hand. So you're just feeling it. You're just so like So most of the golf diving is two foot to zero visibility. So you're just playing patty cakes with a boat. Correct. And then what do you do? How do you feel? What does it feel like when something's broken? Um, you just got to close your eyes and start using your imagination. And, and what, what did, did you find anything broken on that dive or? Yeah. I, the pile was mangled and I just, you could, Oh, cause it's like, you could tell where these like telephone yeah. pole things were broken. Yeah. So I and just then, came up and told them. And then what'd they do to fix it? Um, they went down there and cut it out. And was it, is the water always that dirty or is it like sometimes um, there's different conditions that make a different visibility? That happened to be the Mississippi river, which is always that dirty. Mm. But, um, so how do they fix that if they can't see it? That's they just do it by they're using a chainsaw in the dark. No, they use um they're using what's called a guillotine saw, and it's basically that because that was a metal pile. Oh, um, so they just go down and it's like this big clamp. The so you clamp it around it, and then the and saw then the mechanism works within that thing. Guillotine, yeah. So you you clamp it around it, and then the machine takes over, and cuts in between the clamps. Yeah. That sounds like a good, like, a transformer could have that as, like, a hand. Like, yeah. <laughs> grab somebody by the throat and cut their head off. But they had to, like, did they have to re-weld the metal piling in there? Or um, just... I think they were just cutting it out. That In that case, they were just cutting it out so mm. that big tankers could come in. So they just took mm. six feet off of it. Oh, it was just trimming it so the yeah, other so boats wouldn't trimming. hit it. Correct. Do you ever have to repair or fix boats and stuff? Or um, I actually worked for a company in um, Long Beach that does that. Mm. And it worked on super tankers. Is that just weird being underneath a big that boat? was scary. Because they're so huge. They're like football fields. And they're about 50 feet deep. They go, they penetrate the water 50 Correct. feet. And so like we were, you know, you go down there and everything looks the same. It looks spooky. Yeah. Everything looks exactly the same. So you can't tell which way is up, which way is down. That was kind of. Eerie. That was one of my scarier dives where I was like, I what were know. you doing to it? Just looking for leaks or, um, yeah, we were just inspecting, um, and cleaning and scraping barnacles and yeah, <laughs> the propellers on those must be huge. Mm-hmm. We were cleaning the propellers and the front of the boat as well. But How big are the propellers? Like the blades are taller than you are, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like 15 feet tall, like each blade or probably. Yeah. So like 30 feet in diameter. Correct. It was huge. But it was, yeah, like I said, you couldn't tell because the welds down there aren't, it wasn't like they were running front to back. Mm-hmm. It was just, you couldn't tell which way was up, which way was down. So if anyone wants to get involved with this, particularly if they live in California, it's like a great deal to check out Santa Barbara City College. They have a program. If you're in state, state, in-state tuition for a community college here is like ridiculously cheap. And it sounds like a pretty interesting way like a young person could, yeah, could do something, especially um, if they're physical and fit. Cause you have to be kind of fit for this, right? Like yeah, a good you swimmer? need to be a good swimmer. You need to just not freak out underwater. Not freak out underwater. Um, Got to be good at math. There are a lot of physics uh, physics classes. That, right, for figuring out the air tanks. Yeah, stuff. that weed people out. Cause they, they do the physics class first. All right. Make sure that you can. But when you're saying good at math, you're not saying like I'm MIT. Saying MIT, good at, good at math. I'm just saying you have to. You're saying construction real, worker construct, good at math. Be able to read a table. <laughs> construction good at math, not scientists good at math. Yeah. Good to know. Awesome, man. Well, this was like super informative. I know I'd talked to you about it before and I was really intrigued and I thought other people that are in the sort of making community would be interested in hearing about this, this whole other sort of exotic, challenging underwater world of construction. So, uh, 
thanks for joining us. And if people are interested in uh, following you, you're on Instagram? Correct. What's your Instagram it handle? It is Roderick, R-O-D-E-R-I-K-823. Or if you just go to my Instagram, Benjamin Ueda, which you all should be following anyways, uh, and look for Rod actually came out and helped me with the CrossFit gym uh, that folds out from the wall in my Boston thing. Rod's really into CrossFit, and so he came out and uh, uh, helped me build that and uh, test, test drove that as well. So uh, there's some links to him from uh, my Instagram account, so check him out. Thank you very much, and uh, before you go... Uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I'm, I'm sure you're at this point. Uh, be sure to follow us on, on Instagram at the Modern Maker Podcast. And if you want to hang out with us and talk about underwater construction, making, or anything else that's on your mind, sign up for the Workbench Conference. And there's details on our Instagram channel. So check it out. You can come hang out with me, Mike, Chris, uh, Jimmy DeResta is going to be there and a whole bunch of other uh, badass YouTubers. So come hang out with us and we'll build some crazy stuff. Thank you again for joining us and we'll see you soon.